Good day. Welcome to Last Smash. This is your host, Luther. I uh, appreciate you all uh, listening to our podcast. We've had quite an increase in our listeners, and for that, I'm so grateful. Uh, on the podcast today, <clears throat> I've been having a lot of people ask me about signs and things relative to end times. So what I thought I would do is address that particular topic on this podcast. Um, I'm going to be in Thessalonians. I'm going to be in First and Second Thessalonians and, of course, various other scripture as we talk about this. But I wanted to begin with um, just open up with two verses just so that it would possibly overshadow anything that I say that I, over the years, have brought me a lot of assurance and a lot of confidence in the in First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter and verse nine. The Bible says, for God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Now in Thessalonians, the church at Thessalonica, Paul addresses two main things. Uh, one is... Uh, they were concerned about their loved ones who had passed away and that those loved ones would not uh, go up in the rapture. <clears throat> that was one. And the other topic was that they thought they were in great tribulation. And Paul addresses both of those issues amongst other issues, but... In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, beginning in about verse 13, Paul addresses the issue of this church's questions concerning the death of their loved ones and the rapture of the church. Paul talked beginning in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. And of course, when Paul says this a lot, and uh, he's, he's polite and he's kind in his words, but pretty much he's saying you're ignorant. You don't know what you're talking about. We have a lot of people today who are ignorant, and they're saying stuff foolishly and out of ignorance, and they're scaring a lot of people to death. And it's interesting to me that men will believe a lie before they believe the truth. You know, I've been preaching 30 plus years and a lot of people will reject the word of God, the infallible and errant word of God, inspired of God, but yet they'll believe these doctrines of, you know, these different cults and they'll go off and drink Kool-Aid in the, you know, in, in Guam somewhere and, but they won't believe the truth. But we have a lot of ignorant people who are talking, especially in the day and hour that we live. And of course, these Thessalonican Christians were facing that because Paul said, and I'll get to it in a little bit, about a letter that came 
supposedly from Paul and quite possibly a private revelation of someone. You know how these people get private revelations apart from the word of God that somehow God has anointed and appointed them some special word to give to us and we're supposed to listen to them and not listen to the word of God and scares the death out of a lot of people, scares them to death. <clears throat> and uh, I like when Paul says, but brother, I will not have you ignorant. And he's politely saying, you're ignorant. You know, shut your mouth till you know what you're talking about. Don't scare people. And uh, he says, brethren, <clears throat> concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. In the hopeless world that we're in, um, the hopeless likes to bring down those who have hope because misery loves company. But for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now that's the assurance and the hope of every Christian, uh, every every born-again child of God, we have the hope, one, that he, he compares death to sleep. And I think that's an interesting comparison because uh, when you sleep, you know, you basically can look at someone and, you know, in a casket or whatever, and I've heard, you know, people say, well, they look like they're asleep. They look so peaceful. Well, and that's the comparison. And he's talking about the body, the body will rest in Christ. The body will sleep. And he talks about uh, the body, not the soul. There's no such thing as soul sleep because the soul is eternal. The soul will live somewhere forever. And of course, when the word uh, death means separation, uh, when we die, we're separated from our body, our soul, our spirit, whichever you want to say, or both combined, body and soul separate uh, from themselves, but he's talking about the body. And he says that you sorrow not even as others who have no hope. A Christian burial, a Christian funeral. We give testimony that we believe that God will raise our loved one up and that our loved one, Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. A Christian funeral, a Christian burial, we have that hope. And, and I as I was preparing for this uh, podcast, I got to thinking about how my father, when my father passed away 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't wail and cry and carry on. And I thought it at the time to be, you know, I don't know, why am I not wailing and crying? Well, the hope that I had within me, my dad was saved. My dad was or is probably the greatest Christian I've ever known in my life. And I had faith and confidence that, you know, he was not there. Uh, he was in heaven with the Lord. And one day he would be resurrected. So Paul has given us hope that the things that we cannot see um, uh, are the things that are more real. You know, we can't see heaven, but it's more real than where we're at today. But he says that you sorrow not even as others do. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so shall God, uh, which, uh, let me start over, I'm getting fast here. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So there's the sleep, the body sleep, not soul sleep. For this we say unto <clears throat> you by the word of the Lord. Now, 
as you listen to me, um, I, I hope personally that I can give people encouragement. I, I try in my life, but the word of God is what gives us our assurance on everything. The word of God is our confidence towards tomorrow, towards eternity, towards living today. Our confidence we have in the word of God, and Paul's saying that. Confidence in what? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in the Lord Jesus, God will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now he's going to get into the question. <clears throat> he's addressed the issue of the uh, loved one who's passing, and he's going to get into what's going to take place in the future. Now, I've broken this particular uh, podcast up into three points in an outline, rapture, revelation, and recompense. Paul addresses those three particular subjects in the uh, to the Thessalonican church, but he says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now he's given a, a, a revelation per se here. He's, he's given an understanding of something that's never been heard before. This is, this is a Bible doctrine, a New Testament doctrine. It wasn't taught in the Old Testament, but it's taught in the in the New Testament, and Paul's revealing to us this thing called a rapture. <clears throat> he says, <clears throat> We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now, uh, prevent means proceed. Those who are in the ground, uh, those who are asleep in Christ, they will rise first as he begins to tell us. They will rise first, and then, of course, they have six feet to come up, and we're going to meet each other, and we're going to rise to be in, uh, in the air together and meet the Lord in the air, and he's going to tell us that. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. Now, as Paul is addressing the rapture of the church, every born-again, blood-washed saint, everyone who's received Christ, everyone who is born again, uh, alive and in the grave, is going to heaven in this rapture. Now, I personally think that when we when we look at the church and we see the church and the uh, the ages that have gone by, I personally believe that most of the church is already in the grave. Uh, I believe most of the people who will be going up in the rapture are those who have already passed away and are asleep in Christ, but their soul is in heaven with the Lord, and then. Uh, but everyone who is born again, everyone who is saved, will be going in this rapture. Now, Paul addressed this also in 1 Corinthians. He talked about what's going to take place on this particular day. In 1 Corinthians, 
in chapter 15. Um, let me flip to it here. In verse, let's start about verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now he's talking about what, what is now. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, this is Jesus Christ, the second Adam. Howbeit, <clears throat> that uh, was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Adam was first, and after that which is spiritual, Jesus. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And, uh, and as is the heavenly, such are they also, they are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, which is Jesus. Uh, the Bible says, Paul also says, we know not what we shall be, but we know when we see him, we shall be like he is. Now, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have uh, put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55 and 56, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Uh, but thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul addresses what will take place on this day of the rapture. This is a literal rapture. Now, <clears throat> lots of folks have tried to um, give some analogies and, and some uh, you know, theories as to what will take place based on how the world will uh, describe what has taken place. Well, I'm, I, I mean, I could do that myself, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say that the rapture is real. The rapture is going to happen. But Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery. When, when Paul addresses the mystery, um, it's a new thing. It's, it's never in the Old Testament, we've never heard of, uh, but now it's a mystery. There are those who sit in a church pew who claim to be a Christian, 
who just doesn't believe in the rapture of the church. But it is a real event. Paul describes it here in the fourth chapter of Thessalonians. He also talks about what will happen when the rapture takes place. They that are dead, sleep in Christ, shall be raised. We will get a glorified body. All those who, the dead who are raised, we which are alive, Paul said we. Um, Paul didn't say um, anything further about, you know, the soon coming of Jesus, but he said the imminent coming. He says, we which are alive and remain. So Paul included himself in that. And as Paul, as he stated, he believed in the imminent coming of Jesus Christ. I also believe in the imminent coming of Jesus Christ. I will not say soon coming. I don't think that would be fair of me to say because I don't know when he's going to come. I know that right now a lot of so-called preachers, a lot of people are are talking about blood moons and you know all these different things. That's not a, that's not applicable to the church. The church is not looking for signs. In fact, Paul said in uh, chapter five, but of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that are right unto you. We are not uh, an earthy people. Um, times and seasons don't belong to the church. It belongs to the earth and the people of the earth, the people of the night. We're people of the day, Paul said. But as he's talking about the rapture of the church. Now, as he talks about the rapture of the church and explains what will take place on that day, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Who will see him? Well, we who are saved, we who are looking for him, will see him. Now, I realize that not everybody that's saved is going to be looking for him, but nevertheless, he will He will step out on a cloud and he will... Uh, his voice will be as that of a trumpet and he will call out to us. And I believe we will each individually hear our names called on that day. I believe that. He will call my name. He will call your name if you're saved. He will say, come up hither, Revelation 4. Uh, let me flip over there and read to you in Revelation 4. And we're going to get to Antichrist and that sort of thing. But in Revelation 4, and I've got a band-aid on my phone and I can't turn the page real good here because of the band-aid. Um, in Revelation 4, this is the account in the book of the Revelation about the rapture. Uh, John is writing here. John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Uh, he received special revelation. And he says, uh, after this, uh, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet uh, talking to me. Now it's interesting. Paul uses with a voice with the trump of God. Jesus's voice is going to be such as such uh, a pronounced, such of such a unique, such a loud voice. It'll be as a trumpet, the trump of God. And it's interesting that John said talking with me. So, you know, when you hear the voice of Jesus, and I'm getting goosebumps, he will call your name, and it'll be so loud, you will hear it, you're saved. Now, will the world hear it at this point? No, this is the first advent of Christ. 
He will come to the clouds. He will call his church out. He will call his church up. And John is describing that to us here in Revelation 4. First voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me. And that still gives me goosebumps whenever he says talking with me. Uh, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, let's read on here. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. That's Jesus Christ. And he that sat was to look upon like as a jasper. Now understand that uh, the things of God, and in, as, as John tries to explain this, the vocabulary of man is so limited there, there, I, I believe this, that there is, there's really no adequate vocabulary that we have to describe Jesus. So he does the best job that he can to describe it, to uh, make a description by comparison of things on the earth, things that he knows about. So he says, and he that sat upon was to look upon as a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. Now here's a here's a, a beautiful thing here. And round about the throne were the four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. This is the church right here. The twenty-four elders represents the church. When the rapture takes place, the church is in heaven around the throne of God. Now Go back to 2 Thessalonians. And as Paul is talking about the rapture of the church, I want you to understand when Paul, when Paul progresses and develops this, this, uh, this doctrine of the rapture of the church, we're talking about the day of grace. We're living in the day of grace. The day of grace I believe, began uh, when Jesus Christ was crucified. He was nailed to an old rugged cross. He was, he, he was a substitutionary death for anyone who would believe. Well, in fact, for the whole world, but for those who believe on him and for those who trust him and for those who receive him. But I believe from Calvary, Jesus died on the cross, the, the, Day of grace began. Now in Acts chapter 2, when the 120 were in the upper room in Jerusalem, and the Holy Ghost descended and sat upon each of them. And of course, you can read Acts chapter 2, the account of that day. Now I say it like this, that was the birthday of the church. Paul talked about it in Timothy for the grace of God hath appeared to all men, teaching them to deny ungodliness, filthy lust. But, the, but as the church began in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost came into this world. The Holy Ghost is the one who's in this world teaching us. The Holy Ghost is in this world. In fact, I put it like this. He's, um, he's uh, rebuking, he's restraining, and he's regenerating. He has a work in this world today. This is the day of grace. 
For the grace of God appeared to all men. The grace of God is the Holy Ghost of God in this world today. Uh, he's, he's, he's tugging on people's hearts. He's telling you, hey, uh, this is truth. You, you, are, you need to be saved. Uh, you will spend eternity in a devil's hell if you die without Christ or if the Lord Jesus comes back. But we're in the day of grace. Now, I, I want to try and give you um, over in 2 Thessalonians 2. I want to read this to you, and this just came to me. Um, let's look in verse 5 and start there, and then I'll try to tie it in. Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let till he be taken out of the way. What I want to show you here is the what in verse 6 is the church. The church is in the day of grace. The church is made up by the Holy Spirit from Acts chapter 2 and the church, the birthday of the church. And until the rapture of the church, which is pretty much um, the day of grace, the day of grace will end. Now, in as Paul is talking about, and we know what withholdeth that he might reveal in his time. This is the Antichrist he's talking about. He says, the what, which is the church. Now drop down to verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity, now that's lawlessness. The mystery of lawlessness doth already work. There's lawlessness in every heart of every person. There is a will of man. And Peter talked about that we willfully are ignorant. Uh, Romans chapter 1 talks about uh, men who are so <clears throat> in their minds, they refuse to retain the knowledge of God. Within my heart, within the heart of every human being, is a defiance, a rebellion, my flesh right now today in my mind, I physically have to force myself to read and study the Bible and pray. I've been saved 30 over 35 years. And every day I battle this old flesh and I battle my mind. I don't want to do the things of God, but my soul does and my mind fights against me. My flesh fights against me. I get tired. But um, as, as Paul uh, talks about uh, the spirit of iniquity. That's lawlessness. That's the rebellion against God, the lawlessness in this world. Now, let me connect this. Have you in your lifetime ever seen such a period of lawlessness in this country? I have never. Well, uh, that reveals the heart of man. There's not a sign that we're looking for, blood moons, but you can look at the, the condition of humanity. You can look at the condition of men. Now, I will say this while I'm here. Throughout the Old Testament, most of the things that you encounter, even maybe perhaps here in the New Testament, um, there was never a time where people were just atheists and denied and rejected God. It was always polytheism, more than one God. In fact, Paul at Mars Hill, he addressed them for having polytheistic beliefs where they had a, a, a altar set up for you know, thousands of gods. 
But now in America today, and perhaps in the world, but I say America because I live here, praise God, we are atheistic in our views. We have a world system that is trying its best to oust God. We have a world system that's trying to take the freedoms away from men, away from people, that we cannot make our own decisions, our own choices. They want to make them for us. Well, God didn't create us that way. God created us uh, to be uh, accountable for ourselves and to make individual decisions. Why? To be saved, to, to choose or, or reject God. But it's interesting, Paul says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That's lawlessness. Now, what's this? Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. You think lawlessness is bad now? You think the iniquity is bad now? The Holy Ghost is in this world restraining the evilness that will take over. I mean, the devil in this world system hates God. He hates anybody who loves God, and he hates God's creation. There is a world system. There is a, a world system. There's the will of man. Man's will is to reject God and have his own will and do his own thing. I can't tell you over 30 plus years how many times I've talked to someone that was so swelled up in their own pride and their own way and headed to hell, didn't even know it because the devil has them blind to what truth is. But Paul said, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let to be taken out of the way. Whenever he talks about uh, now uh, till he, let me start over. I'm getting excited here. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let to be taken out of the way. Now that's old Elizabethan English back in when he said letteth. That word letteth we take now to mean uh, only he who now restrains or he who now uh, holds back. But that is the Holy Spirit. So the what that he talked about is the church and the who is the Holy Spirit. Till he be taken out of the way. That is essentially the rapture of the church. Now we could talk about will the Holy Spirit be here uh, after the rapture. We could talk about that. Uh, we could kind of refer back to the Old Testament, how the Holy Spirit did certain things, but he never indwelled an individual until Jesus died, shed his blood to cleanse us from our sin. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost descended. But the Holy Ghost is in this world today. He has a he has specific work. He's making up the church. Uh, when you're born again, he enters your soul. You And, and John talks about that new birth, the, 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 Paul talked about the new creature. Uh, we become a new creature in Christ by the regenerate power of the Holy Spirit within our heart and soul. He makes a new creature out of us. He's, he's making up the church. He baptizes you into the body of Christ, which is the church. He restrains the evil that's in this world trying to take over. And friend, if you can't see the evilness trying to take over in this world today, and especially in America, if you can't see it, uh, which I know a lot of people cannot, but the Holy Spirit is holding back what will happen after the rapture. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off right here because I've spent a lot of time just on my introduction uh, in about 32 minutes here. 
I don't want to lose anybody. I know concentration and uh, is is kind of at a at a peril at some point. Um, but when the rapture takes place, if you've ever had a chance to be saved, and the Bible tells us that, and I'll read that to you. Um, here's what happens. And for th and for this cause. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. After the rapture takes place, for those who have rejected the truth, for those who have had a chance to sit in a church and just walk out and say, nah, it's not for me. For those who have defamed, for those who have rejected God's word is truth. When this rapture takes place, that's it. It's done. It's over. I'm going to pick back up on my point two of the revelation from this book. But I want to end with this. I've had a lot of, uh, uh, let me rephrase that. I've had an increase in those who are, and I don't want to use the word follow, but those who have tuned in to the podcast, I've, I've been trying my best to get a way for, for you to communicate with me as I'm communicating with you. I'd like to, uh, have that line of communication. So what I thought I would do is just give you my personal email. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email, if you have any questions, comments, um, uh, you know, anything, uh, invite us to preach at your church, whatever you want to do. Um, but my email is volt, V as in Victor, O-L-T, volt, server, inc, that's one word, volt, server, inc, at gmail.com. That's volt, server, inc, I-N-C, VoltServerInc at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Let us know if you have any questions, what you think. If you want to invite us to your church to preach or, you know, whatever, whatever you would want to do. Or don't even use the email, you know. But I'd like to set up a line of communication. Since I'm communicating with you, I want you to communicate with me. And I thank you for listening. And I will pick up at a later time on my second point of revelation and then we will finish hopefully in that particular podcast thank you for listening uh have a great day